AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On February the 21st, the world lost one of the most extraordinary people I've ever known, Dr. Paul Farmer. As co-founder of the global health and social justice organization, Partners in Health, Paul fundamentally changed the way healthcare is delivered in many of the most impoverished places on earth. Along the way, his fine mind, big heart, and relentless, infectious drive to do good and have a good time doing it inspired countless others to follow his example. My family is profoundly grateful to have benefited from Paul's many gifts for years. Going back to the time Chelsea read his work at Stanford, reached out to him and gained his mentorship and friendship. I'm honored to have worked closely with him in Rwanda through the Clinton Health Access Initiative, which he served on the board of. And in Haiti, first in bringing treatment to HIV AIDS patients, and then after the 2010 earthquake, when we led the UN Office of Special Envoy for Haiti. For 20 years, I watched him make everything he touched better with his hard-headed evaluation of every problem and his ardent conviction that even in the poorest places, even in the face of dysfunctional politics and violence, he could still make a difference. He also managed to become a wonderful husband, father, son, brother, colleague, mentor, and friend. His constant kindness to and support for Chelsea as she built her own career in public health is just one of hundreds of examples of that friendship. As a tribute to our friend, 
we are re-releasing this episode from the original run of Why Am I Telling You This, featuring Chelsea and Paul in conversation. It should give you a good sense of who Paul Farmer was and what he was all about. And I hope inspire you to want to make the kind of difference in the world that he did. Hi, I'm Chelsea Clinton. Welcome to Why Am I Telling You This? The Clinton Foundation Podcast. In many ways, our world has never been healthier. Globally, people are living longer lives and child mortality rates are down. But one million children still die in their first day of life and one million more in their first month. We know good, equitable primary health care and adequate disaster preparedness and response would help save newborn, child, and adult lives. My guest today, Paul Farmer, has spent his career trying to build health systems that can do just that. He is a singular and inspiring figure in the field of public health. Paul is one of the most remarkable individuals I've ever known. Through his tireless advocacy and work with an organization he founded, Partners in Health, he has transformed health systems in some of the poorest places on earth. In 1987, Ophelia Dahl, Paul Farmer, and fellow Harvard med student Jim Kim established Partners in Health. They had no funds, but high ambitions to bring health care to the needy. Paul Farmer has worked tirelessly to treat individuals while spreading the medical gospel of health care for all. For the first time, patients in a public hospital are able to receive chemotherapy. For now, the expensive drugs are paid for by Partners in Health. Throughout his career, Paul has worked to build basic health infrastructure around the world. I came to know him 20 years ago when I was a student at Stanford, and he's been a friend and mentor to me ever since. I've had the privilege of working closely with Paul and Partners in Health in Haiti, Rwanda, and other places around the world through their partnerships with the Clinton Foundation. In each of our projects together, Paul has brought extraordinary scientific expertise, a commitment to working with local communities toward their specific goals, and a relentless focus on making good policies and seeing them through to implementation. Paul's a lifelong teacher who has been outspoken in his belief that everyone has an obligation to help narrow and eventually erase the health divide between the world's rich and poor. Why am I telling you this? Because at a time when global health crises and health systems are competing for headlines in an increasingly crowded breaking news cycle, it is more important than ever that we continue to pay attention to these urgent issues. Because efficient and equitable health systems not only save lives, they also break the link between sickness and poverty that keeps billions of people at risk across the world. And because we know that while the world continues to face multiple health challenges, we know that many of those are solvable, in part because of what Paul and Partners in Health have proven over time. So thank you, Paul, for being here today. I want to start uh, a little bit at the beginning, just as a starting point to explain why you started Partners in Health um, before we even had the kind of words global health equity, because that's really what you were doing more than 30 years ago. Of course, I didn't know those three words and how to string them together back then. You know, as an undergraduate at Duke, I mean, the first time I thought maybe I don't want to be a biochemistry major, which which I was and enjoyed, was in a class called medical anthropology. And I only took it because it had the M word in it. And it was the kind of course where you were expected to do a research paper, which sounded cool to me. And, uh, you know, I, I did mine in the emergency room at 
Duke University, I was focusing this question on race and class and insurance status. So I learned a lot um, because here was this, you know, big medical center and African-Americans without insurance were using it as a primary care delivery system because they didn't have another choice. And the history of Jim Crow and the segregation of hospitals and emergency rooms, even in 1980, lay heavily, or perhaps you would say lies heavily, on our country. Absolutely. And you know, here's people coming in who don't have an emergency, and they're coming into a university medical center emergency room. Why? Because the safety net would not otherwise catch them. Maybe it was that preparation in the United States, which of course I knew to be a land of bounty and I, I actually Bounty hoarded and not equally exactly. distributed and I, or accessible. I, I, so I had that understanding, or at least the, the awareness that inequalities were local and global. I, I, I had that early on. And uh, even though a lot of my interpretations proved to be incorrect, uh, a lot of my understandings were just wrong. Ideas were flat out ridiculous. The basic conviction that you know, people ought to have some kind of safety net, that, that proved correct. And uh, it's been a tortuous path since then, but uh, that, that's what led you know, to Partners in Health, certainly. And Paul, even though you may not have had kind of the words global health equity, can you just talk a, a little bit about how Partners in Health took the form it did and why you focused so much on not only kind of the delivery of care, but also the training of health workers and ensuring that Haitians were always at the center of what was being conceived, done, evaluated? Some of this is such a given for us. Um, For example, that Haitians would be at the center of an endeavor to promote what we would later call global health equity. And yet that's not the way much of the world operates. I mean, it's one of the priorities that's always been so crucially shared and important to us as people, but also between all that we've done, the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Health Access Initiative, and clearly that you've done and helped pioneer through Partners in Health. And yet, even though that seems so obvious to us, it still remains not the expectation of uh, global NGOs around the world. And I, 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 of course, I'm not allowed to forget that because we bump into many and try to work with many as well who don't have that as their central guiding principle. But global health equity is always going to be a, a way that can steer us towards that universality. It has to be about quality, dignity, respect these more ineffable, but still measurable ways of looking at how well we do thinking about equity. And that's another reason to get back to your, your point, to think very hard about making sure we allow our partners, let's say they're rural Haitians or urban Haitians or whatever, to be involved in the work as agents of change. And that requires thinking about, well, who gets to go to a university? Who gets to go to a nursing school? Who gets to go to do a PhD in health policy? Whatever it may be. Who gets to be an elected official? The list goes on and on. If you want to attack poverty, then you better make sure people living in poverty at the center of it. That was clear from that first year, although much was not. uh, The understanding that people need to be the agents whenever possible of their own liberation from these shackles. Uh, I got that in year one. We'll be right back. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. What started in 1983 is largely um, providing basic medical care, and then developed into providing slightly more sophisticated medical care you know, with medicines that you and Jim and others would bring in your suitcases yeah. from Boston to Great 80. procurement plan. Um, well, you know, certainly better than nothing. Yeah, barely. Um, and yeah. yet today there are incredibly sophisticated procurement plans, logistics, infrastructure underneath all of what Partners in Health does, and you're delivering tertiary care. I mean, yeah. you're you're able to treat people in Haiti as well as you're able to treat people in Boston. Can you just talk about the journey from 1983 to now? I would, I would love to. In those early years, of course, we were, we were full, I think we were full of passion and enthusiasm and we have just as much or more now. But some of the things I would later learn in, in working with the foundation, for example, uh, were not at all clear. And it, it, one of them is, what's the big picture of how the work should look? There was already uh, a lot of aid money, but the impact of that aid, say from the United States, and um, was, was pretty negligible if you were showing up in central Haiti. I could see that. Um, 
you didn't have to go to the squatter settlement of Conge, just be in Mir Ballet, which was, you know, on paper supposed to be a place where very substantial amounts of USAID were going there. But in 1983, there was little in the way of either a primary or secondary tertiary system. You know, so if you had obstructed labor and uh, you go to a hospital that has no blood bank and no obstetrician and no operating theater. It's not uh, really hospital. It's not really hospital. It's just not a hospital. And again, I could I could see that at the time. We could say, is there a way for us to assess the main problems here? In this first team that we had to say, let's go to every household, ask people what's going on there, um, meaning find out who has access to family planning, who, which kids have been vaccinated, how many people live in the household. Uh, try to get, we weren't trying to do an epidemiological study. We were just trying to say, what are, what are the ranking problems here? Could we find out? And then the community health workers were, were called CHVs, community health volunteers, you know, and it's hard to be a volunteer if you got six kids and other things to do. Like, and you're not being paid for your and work. you're not being paid for your work. Again, the dignity conferred by work really was, it was, it was obvious even to a 23-year-old. That meant that as we were working with Haitians as our MO, um, including young Haitians our age, uh, bad things would happen to some of them. The initial team based in Conj, there were six Haitians our age. Um, and by the time I graduated from medical school, three had died. I mean, I, I had never had friends who died. Even though I came from a, a family without a lot of means, I didn't know anybody who died. But these, these were my friends and they were my age and it was the first time and one after another. I was uh, totally grief stricken when the first of them, the first of them died, uh, you know, she was 27. And I was probably about the same age. Uh, and she died just after childbirth. And then right after that, um, another young man, you know, we mentioned water. Well, what's the cost of not having a clean water supply? Well, for babies, gastroenteritis, but for a young, healthy, robust young guy, watch for typhoid. And one of the complications is it bores right through your intestines. And you know, I, was, I would later become an infectious disease doctor, but you didn't need to be an infectious disease doctor to think, wow, not only is that an outrageous tragedy, he, uh, it was a good friend. These are things, by the way, that not only would have been prevented by having a tertiary hospital, that is the illnesses would not have led to death. So you have a baby, you get an infection. If you have a good hospital, you're not going to die from it right? You have typhoid. You're not going to have, you know, a perforated bowel because you'll get antibiotics. And if you needed to, you'd go to the operating room. He actually died right outside the operating room, but this is important. For instance, he was so frightened. And I, I, I was, I had, I was going back to medical school. I wasn't a doctor. I was just with him. I'm like, oh my God, it, he couldn't die, could he? Well, I knew he could die, but he's not going to die. He did. And, and then the other young woman had cerebral malaria. And I'm not the only one who knew them well. I may have known them the best of the founders, but Ophelia Dahl knew them all. And of course, our Haitian colleagues, it was devastating, uh, especially knowing that, yeah, the illnesses should have been prevented. But after 
someone gets sick, you can also prevent death, right? Oh, you need That's why you need a medical care delivery system. There's no vaccine for malaria yet. The vaccine for typhoid is not very good, right? And there's no vaccine for, um, you know, this this infection after childbirth, except for family planning, right? So on every one of those levels, prevention uh, and care, uh, we failed, right? We failed our friends. You know, to say that it made me feel bad or guilty, it did, but it also was my first real experience with grief. And the stakes were already clear to us, and we already thought of this as a health equity issue. So to get from there again, the first decade being mostly errors and mostly and full of these kinds of tragedies, um, but, but not without joy and, and, and again, these friendships. But it took a long time for us to admit, and I'm, the us here being our Haitian colleagues as well, that the work we were doing wasn't really very good. It couldn't be good because it wasn't building up the Haitian healthcare system. It wasn't providing comprehensive care. And uh, we came by that knowledge the hard way. And wherever there's a clinical desert, right, that is, you don't have the staff you need and the stuff you need and the space you need. And the systems. You're, and the you systems. can't forget your, four, never forget your fourth systems. S. You know, this global health equity, one reason we keep going back to that list, staff, stuff, space, systems, is because, you know, it, are there guiding principles that could lead us forward in varied settings? And the answer, I think, is yes. Um, I think you've proven the answer is yes. You should be seeing all of them. You should be seeing staff, and it would be local staff, nurses, doctors, managers, community health workers, everyone who you would need to actually deliver care. So the stuff, I'm talking about medical supplies, medications, you know, you have preventives, vaccines, you have diagnostics. How do you know if someone has HIV? What's their viral load? How do you know someone has leukemia? a lab that can diagnose and identify the cancer. So staff, stuff, space, then it should be dignified space. You know, nobody wants to go to a hospital to have a baby uh, when it's dirty. In addition to all the user fees and other obstacles, geographic ones, whatever, uh, if it if it's dirty and smells bad, who, who would want to go there for anything? So that dignified space is important. And then the systems, you know, I'll just say it, I learned, I keep learning about that and, and I'm not done learning about any of them, but uh, you know, not having a healthcare system, a safety net. Well, that's what I saw as an undergraduate when African-Americans in Durham County were going to a giant university medical center for a basic primary care problem. So the safety net is composed of staff stuff, space and systems, but it's only a safety net if, if uh, it catches you if you fall. More after this. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You and I spend so much time thinking about kind of what can we try to improve support, empower, kind of through medical care and also kind of more robust public health systems. And yet so much of what determines whether or not people are healthy happens even beyond those kind of large categories. You, How do you think about any of us who care so intensely about improving health outcomes and health equity? And what do you think our responsibility is to not just be informed, but but try to be thoughtfully engaged in these these larger debates of social and civic determinants of health. The first discussion of social determinants ought to be, well, there are social determinants. You can work really hard inside the walls of a clinic or on drug pricing or working with the ministry on the care delivery system, and you're not getting at the major determinants of who lives, who dies, how inequalities uh, get in the body. Those inequalities can be around race, class, gender, and are, by the way, but also rurality, where, you know, what zip code you're born in. Um, that, that's uh, our daily bread, right? One of the anxieties that I have um, is there is a strain inside public health, uh, which is a Luddite strain, and it, I've, I've seen it, we've both seen it again and again, where someone said, well, if poverty is the chief determinant of health outcomes, then maybe we should focus all of our attention on poverty reduction and worry less about, let's say, trauma care. Well, that would not have been a good thing for me in 1988 when I walked in front of a car, right? Or, well, you should really focus all your attention on prevention. Well, 
how do you prevent breast cancer or leukemia? I don't know. I mentioned getting hit by a car and I, you know, I, I, I couldn't walk unassisted for six months after that, but I knew that the emergency medical technicians were not going to lean over me and say, you should look both ways before you cross the street. Sorry. You know, uh, that's what it is for a lot of people who don't have that safety net and there are no tertiary care hospitals. You know, I would hate to have the world suddenly literate in social determinants and forget about equity and care delivery. And we've seen it again and again. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's got to be a way for us to keep global health equity front and center because that would allow us, after all, to acknowledge that quality of care matters, geographic distribution matters, access matters, and you have to have that safety net. You know, in the... 35 years, more than 35 years now, since Partners in Health um, was started. Um, can you talk about how the work's evolved? I wish we were moving faster, um, but it's so encouraging if you just stick with this for, I was, gonna, I was about to say, if you just stick with this for a few decades, you know, uh, it's not a long time. I mean, what we've seen in Rwanda uh, to go from the bottom, the pits, hell, which endured even after the genocide, because even when there was better leadership, still doesn't mean you have staff stuff, space and systems. But to go there and to see what it's like now, I mean, this is not a long time. I'm mean, just the, what we have seen with our own eyes. Think about Butaro. You know, a place like Butaro, the district of Barrera, the last one without a district hospital. First of all, you'll remember those first visits. I mean, beautiful. The mountains. red dirt, the mountains. Rwanda's most modern hospital was built in Butaro in the mountainous north, mostly with funds from Partners in Health. This big hospital on top of this hill, mountain, is related to a series of health centers and to people working in the villages. This is a district of over 400,000 souls. Um, and, and in 2003, 2004, there was not a single doctor, uh, much less a district hospital. They take time to understand the whole context of their patients' lives, and then they design services that will help make their lives better. That critical insight, that commitment to humanity, is what drives Paul's work. You know, some people are they're startled. Some of the Rwandans are startled. Um, I've had Rwandans come here and say, is this a resort? Is it a hotel for Mzungus? You know, is it for foreigners? And, uh, and be skeptical when, when we respond, no, this is, this is for you. This is your community hospital, your district hospital. As a result, the number of children dying before age five has dropped to a quarter of what it was in the year 2000. The number of mothers who die in childbirth is down 66% since 1990, in part because 99% of pregnant women receive at least one prenatal care visit. You know, people say, well, how do you do this work around people who are so ill and, and suffering? Why isn't that depressing? I can't think of anything less depressing than be able, being able to see that kind of progress in so short a time. I do, though, kind of want to end with asking you, not if you're optimistic, because I know you are, but why you're optimistic and what are you most optimistic about? Because while we have seen such tremendous progress, you know, a massive decline in under five mortality over the last 25 years, 
Um, we still have a million children who die on their first day of life and a million more who die in their first month of life. And uh, we still have millions of kids who die every year from things that are not only preventable um, if they were to be fully vaccinated, but also preventable if they you know, knew how to swim yeah. or if there were yeah. good roads or if there were seatbelts. And yet I know that you are optimistic. I am. So why are you optimistic and why do you think anyone should be when we think about um, global health equity? There's a lot of really wonderful people who we meet who are drawn to global health equity. And that's a cause for optimism. Yeah, there are setbacks. I mean, we didn't even talk about the earthquake. Uh, that was, you know, a dreadful experience. Um, and, and that's probably why you didn't bring it up. I still don't like talking about it. I but know. when I see all the people who got involved, your mother told me that more than half of all American households contributed to earthquake relief in Haiti. And to know that that many people cared about the distant stranger suffering they wouldn't see directly, that's not even counting the people who showed up. How could you not say, well, we're redeemable as a species yet? But one of the things that you know, I'd like to get out you know, in this exchange is just as a way of encouraging others, if you get involved in it and you stick with it wherever the it wherever the it is, you're going to see massive progress. Sometimes it's really dramatic and fast, and I would say Rwanda is the best example we know. What's happened there in the last 15 years in terms of just looking at the basic measures: infant mortality, child mortality, maternal you know, mortality, maternal mortality, or around AIDS, tuberculosis, malaria, whatever, those are the steepest declines in mortality ever documented. In history. In history. And to know that that could happen there, uh, how could you not be optimistic? You know, I think we are maybe getting that message out more, but this pessimistic view of the world is wrong. And of course, cynicism is wrong. Cynicism is is a dead end. and That nothing no, can ever change. Nothing can ever change. And that's just ridiculous. But I think that our optimism is warranted. And well, um, I, I love this work. And Paul, thank you. You make me optimistic every day. And I'm so grateful for you in the world and for your time uh, for our conversation today. So thank you very much. I hope I'm allowed to come back. Anytime. I got a lot of podcasts in me, even though this is only my second. Anytime, Paul, anytime. Why Am I Telling You This is a production of iHeartRadio, the Clinton Foundation, and At Will Media. Our executive producers are Craig Manassian and Will Malnati. Our production team includes Jameson Katsufas, Tom Galton, Sarah Horowitz, and Jake Young, with production support from Liz Raftery and Josh Farnham. Original music by Watt White. Special thanks to John Sykes, John Davidson, Angel Urena, Corey Gansley, Kevin Thurm, Oscar Flores, and all our dedicated staff and partners at the Clinton Foundation. Hi, this is Bill Clinton. I hope you're enjoying Why Am I Telling You This? I started the Clinton Foundation on the belief that everyone deserves a chance to succeed. Everyone has a responsibility to act, and we all do better when we work together. In the more than 20 years since the Foundation first opened its doors in Harlem, we've brought people together across traditional divides to address some of the most complex and pressing challenges of our time. The need for cooperation has never been more urgent than it is now. The COVID-19 pandemic has ripped the cover off longstanding inequities and vulnerabilities across our global community and here at home. 
The existential threat of climate change grows every day. And all around the world, the forces of division are tugging at the fabric of our common humanity. That's why this year we're relaunching the Clinton Global Initiative's annual meeting in New York in September. Bringing together heads of state and other government officials, leaders of NGOs and philanthropic organizations, prominent voices in business, labor, and finance, and youth leaders and grassroots activists to drive progress on inclusive economic growth and recovery, climate resilience, and health equity. While the challenges we face are steep, our work has always been about what we can do, not what we can't do. And by bringing diverse partners together to take action and achieve real results, we can create a culture of possibility and a world hungry for hope. I hope you'll take a moment to share your thoughts and ideas with us and learn more about our work by visiting www.clintonfoundation.org podcast. Thank you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.